This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. We would love to hear about your off-season questions, any trade proposals you might have coming up, or what you might want to do with any of your draft picks, especially after the draft when we get into the heart of fantasy draft season. Also, if you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please contact us at that address. A quick note on a few shows we still have planning coming up. Uh, Tonight, we continue our State of the League series, reviewing everyone's team in our Dynasty League. We've done about five of these so far. We have about five left to go. We're going to continue doing those until we finish those, but we may interject, I believe here uh, in the next week or so, Uh, Our free agency podcast will be reviewing all of the signings and all of the tentacles that that has sent out or the ripple effect that it has had in their new situations or their old situations. Also, we're going to be doing a pre-draft special in preparation here in the coming month uh, for the April 29th NFL draft. We will also be having night-by-night coverage during the draft. So make sure you're following our Twitter feeds for full live reactions at TJ3Duncan and at Hammy2112. Then we also will do our post-draft mock draft special to get you ready for the summer before we hit our special rules series that we're going to be doing this summer. You won't want to miss out on any of it, so like, subscribe, and review the show to make sure you're going to be part of the fun. So as I said before, we're continuing to do a few mini-episodes on each member of our league's teams, And next up, under the microscope, is New Boot Goofin. We'll start out, and I know we've done their draft results uh, from the 2020 draft, usually on the back end of this, but I would like to kind of switch up things. So we're going to start by going through his 2020 draft picks. He had the first pick in every round, and I believe that is going to be the case again this year. This was not a draft that the current owner and uh, operator of New Boot Goofin did at the time. Uh, This was an auto pick of his own. And Yahoo did him a favor on a couple of these, but not a whole lot. So let's just quickly go through these because several of these guys are not on the current roster. First up, with the first overall pick, he took Clyde Edwards Elaire, CEH for most of you. At pick 11 in the second round, Hayden Hurst, the tight end out of Atlanta. Number 21, the first pick in the third round, Duke Johnson the backup running back in Houston. I'm not even sure he's with Houston at the moment. Number 31, Preston Williams. Number 41, Robbie Gould. Number 51, Baker Mayfield. And the last pick he made, Chase Edmonds, the backup running back at the time out of Arizona. Now his current roster includes Matthew Stafford, Tyler Lockett, T.Y. Hilton, Derrick Henry, Clyde Edwards-Elaire, Irv Smith Jr., Wayne Goleman Jr., Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Leonard Fournette, Hayden Hurst, Jacoby Myers, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Jared Cook, Gus Edwards, Debo Samuel, Derek Carr, Chase Edmonds, Richard Higgins, Preston Williams, Justin Tucker, New England's defense, and the New Orleans defense. So let's start out at quarterback. 
Matthew Stafford, the former Lions uh, number one overall pick, I think back in about 2008, 2009, somewhere in that range, is now the Rams' new quarterback after an offseason trade that saw him swapped out for Jared Goff and some first-round picks. We also have Baker Mayfield, who made the playoffs with Cleveland for the first time since 2003 when Cleveland's quarterback at the time was Kelly Holcomb. Yes, Browns fans, there's enough to be excited about this offseason. And finally, we had Kirk Cousins, the Minnesota quarterback who still has guaranteed money, and Derek Carr, who somehow has a job with the Raiders yet, even though apparently the Raiders have wanted to break up with him for so long that it's like the girlfriend that you keep around because you don't want to be lonely. So with that, what would you say is the confidence you have in his quarterback position at the moment? Well, he's got a lot of them. Let's make that clear. He's He's got a lot. Four is a lot to have on one team. But I feel like Matthew Stafford is an upgrade from this time, like two months ago. So you got to like that. I like his landing spot in L.A. Other than that, I mean, Baker Mayfield had a pretty good year, but you really don't know who he's going to have as well. There's still a lot of talk if OBJ is going to be there or not. But, I mean, it's, it's an above-average quarterback room. I would tend to agree. I think a lot of people have the expectation that Matthew Stafford is probably going to be a top 10 starter. I'm not necessarily of that opinion. I know that Rams quarterbacks can go up that far because they usually have a lot of pass attempts. Uh, I believe Jared Goff was the leading pass attempter in 2019 for the Rams under that offense. So I wouldn't be shocked if Matthew Stafford had huge passing numbers, but he doesn't add anything in the run. And that's really where a lot of these quarterbacks have separated themselves out from a fantasy value standpoint. Uh, as far as Baker Mayfield and Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield's probably the only one that adds anything with his legs. And it's really not a ton enough to make him fantasy relevant or make up for some of his inadequacies or inconsistencies from the passing game. So, I, I look at him as a fringe starter. I look at Kirk, or Kirk Cousins as a top 15 guy. But I think probably Stafford, uh, Mayfield, or Cousins, you can probably play matchups and get one of them to have a decent game every so often. I don't know if keeping four quarterbacks right now with the amount of roster spots that we have is probably wise. Three, I can make an argument for. Four might be a little bit too much, given that uh, you're carrying a lot of kind of second-tier quarterbacks as far as I'm concerned. Do you want to move over to running back? Yeah, let's move on over. There's really not too much more you can add to that. I agree 110%. There's really no reason to hold on to that many quarterbacks when they're all essentially the same. So we have kind of a team in two different directions on the running back front. Derrick Henry once again led the league in rushing and I think uh, set the league... Uh, record for consecutive years leading every category since Jim Brown in the 60s. He did it two years in a row. At the other end, we had the number one overall pick that he made last year, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and he had a decent but kind of generally underwhelming season from where he was drafted in most leagues. Leonard Fournette, the playoff hero for the Buccaneers, as well as Gus Edwards, who's kind of in a weird timeshare with that Baltimore backfield, Probably not the starter, but isn't somebody that can probably slip through the cracks, probably should be on a bench somewhere, and is in this case. And Wayne Gallman Jr., who was the fill-in for Saquon Barkley for most of the second half of last year with the Giants, 
had a lot of breakout games, if you can call them that, and uh, uh, really was productive down the stretch, but you have to assume that he gives way to Saquon Barkley once he's back. So what would you say is the status of his running back room at the moment? I would also say it's an, it's an above average running back room. Clyde Edwards-Alaire for sure performed below expectations, but in a fantasy realm, not really as an NFL running back. I think he did pretty well as a rookie, and that's just going to move forward. But the expectations for him were sky high with his landing spot and what he was able to do in the national championship as well. Derrick Henry, my only question is how many years does he have left? He looks really, really strong, and he gets stronger as as the season goes on. But you just got to wonder, with all the carries, with all the yards, just without the beating that he takes on his body on a week-to-week basis, you just got to wonder how long he's got left. I feel like a sleeper that he has, someone that you didn't mention, though, Chase Edmonds, I think, could be could be a pretty decent back. If I'm pretty positive he's still in Arizona, right? Yes. Yeah, so I think he could be a pretty decent bag. Maybe he could be one of those running backs that catches fire. Somebody you pick up off the waiver wire early in the season, it really pays off towards the end of the season. Leonard Fournette, still another question mark for me. You're right, big playoffs, but who's he going to play for? I think he resigned with Tampa Bay, I think. I think I might have heard that too, but I'm not certain of that status. I'm sure we'll go through that one in our free agency podcast. I haven't, yeah. I really haven't kept up with all of free agency. I haven't done my end of free agency roundup, but yeah, he's just one too. But I, I, again, I think it's an above average running back room, but there's just some, some of his bigger names I do have questions about. So let me ask some of those questions. Uh, Gus Edwards is clearly going to be behind J.K. Dobbins and, for that matter, Lamar Jackson as far as running capability next year. He probably should be rostered, as I mentioned before, but is he somebody that you feel comfortable if Dobbins and Jackson are healthy starting on any basis? No, not one bit. And that's pretty much where I'm at as well. Leonard Fournette, I'd like to see where he ends up. If he does end up in Tampa, I think he has value, especially with how he played during the playoffs. I don't think he's going to be the primary back for Tampa because Ronald Jones was kind of the lead power back for them a lot of the year. But he clearly was valuable to Tom Brady in the passing game, and I think that's a big aspect of what Tom Brady likes to do. So if that continues to stick around, he has value, at least as a potential flex play. Uh, I also love Chase Edmonds. He's one of the few guys last year, I think, with Delvin Cook, Aaron Jones, uh, Alvin Kamara. I'm trying to think. This was a stat I heard the other day, so I'm probably butchering it here at this moment. But of guys with uh, over 200 carries and 40 catches. I mean, he's in that class. And here's the other added aspect that we haven't talked about yet because we haven't done our free agency show. But... Kenyon Drake goes to Las Vegas, Chase Edmonds is likely going to be the starter. Now, the other two questions here, and I'll spend a little bit longer time on this because this is not going to be covered in our free agency show, but Clyde Edwards-Elayer, is he going to be this type of back moving forward, or is there still potential there that you think can be mined out of him in this Kansas City offense? And can have we already seen the peak of Derrick Henry? Yeah, those are my same questions as well. Have you seen the peak of Derrick Henry yet? And and who is Clyde Edwards-Alaire? 
was last year just him being a rookie or are we going to see what everyone expected of him coming out landing in what was supposed to be a perfect spot for him? See, I really liked Edwards coming out because I thought he'd be involved in the passing game. And it's not something Kansas City often did because Mahomes is not a dump down quarterback. He's not a check down guy that's going to be able to get Edwards Elaire, who coming out seemed to me like uh, the way that the Saints used to use Camaro when he first came into the league or how Austin Eckler plays or some of these other guys that are uh, great speed running backs or shifty guys that run great routes out of the backfield and can end up eating up a ton of catches. To me, if they're using him as their primary back, he's probably not going to fit the system correctly with the way they need him to play. And while he had some injuries and he missed time because as a rookie, he was not able to adapt to the whole system due to the lack of training camp and OTAs and that sort of thing, maybe the one potential I would say is is if he expands that part of his game and Kansas City gets him more involved. Derrick Henry, I'm pretty set that we've seen his peak. Not that he can't get close again, but he is now on the decline for me. You can't take that amount of carries that he's had over the last two years and expect that he's going to be able to sustain that for three or four more years. I think he's on the downslope where he may have a really good year this year. He may have a decent year next year. I think in three years, he's probably out of the fantasy relevant conversation at that point. Running backs go downhill quick. I mean, yeah, they do. And I, I hate to put it that way because he's they been do. productive. He's a very good back. I just I don't see that being the case. And no, add in the fact that he's got the Madden curse on him this year. You're right, though. I mean, one minute they're there and one minute they're gone. So uh, he, he'll be one of those guys. So let's move over to receiver. And this is kind of a mixed bag. Uh, there are some guys that I like. There are some underrated guys that I like in this group. But then there's a lot of kind of duds, to be quite honest. So Tyler Lockett, who was very inconsistent playing behind DK Metcalf and the fact that Russell Wilson also became more inconsistent as the year went along. T.Y. Hilton, again, this was kind of a night and day scenario where we had written him off and this team picked him up midseason after uh, Dana's team had dropped him just due to the fact that he was on a uh, long lost island never to be found again and all of a sudden found a ship. And uh, you have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who kind of is a Deshaun Jackson-like big play guy that'll catch maybe three passes in a game, but one of them will go for a 50-yard touchdown, as we saw in the NFC Championship game. You have Jacoby Myers, who really didn't have any business being the number one receiver in New England, but with the amount of injuries that they had, he ended up having to take that role. I can't count on him going forward in the same capacity. You then have Debo Samuel, again, a guy who was hurt a lot through last season, came in with an injury and kind of never shook the injury bug completely, but is a very productive player, could be a nice wide receiver too, especially in that offense. Richard Higgins, I don't think he'll have quite the same value in Cleveland right now with Odell Beckham Jr. coming back in. They are going to naturally want to get him involved. And Preston Williams, who I was really high on going into last year, coming off of his knee injury, but couldn't stay healthy. And now the Dolphins have also signed Will Fuller to pair against Devontae Parker in Miami. So out of these and this situation, what's your confidence level in his receiver group? Yeah, I don't really like his receivers all that much at all. You said it yourself with MVS, he's big play or or no play. 
Uh, Tyler Lockett, the inconsistency, he's always been the number two guy, whether it be behind Doug Baldwin or now DK Metcalf. T.Y. Hilton is for sure over the hill, and you still don't know what his quarterback play is going to be. Is Carson Wentz going to be the Carson Wentz of old, or or has Carson Wentz truly, truly rounded a corner that's never going to come back? It's just, it's really, really tough for me. And then there's Debo Samuel, who, you know, I feel like Brandon Ayuk has basically taken his role in San Francisco and made it now his own, because those were plays that San Francisco usually used to run for Debo, and now, I mean, Brandon Ayuk is just better at it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's not a wide receiver room that I like all that much. Tyler Lockett is a question mark, especially with Seattle trying to commit to the run, so I don't know what value he's going to have. T.Y. Hilton, again, question mark, because we didn't know what was going on with him. He looked like he was completely shot for three quarters of the season and then all of a sudden had this great kind of uh, ending stretch to the year. I agree on Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I agree. I basically already made my opinions known on Myers and Higgins and Williams. Debo Samuel is kind of the outlier where he's got value, but I don't know exactly what that is. In a PPR or a full PPR setting, which is not our league, but a lot of other ones, I think he has a little bit more value because a lot of his targets are going to be shorter and trying to allow him run after the catch. So again, there are guys to like and guys to keep but I don't know if I would be greatly confident right now uh, based on this team. I would probably try and sell high on somebody like Derrick Henry to maybe maximize uh, a couple of these wide receiver positions. It's not a bad group, but it's not one that I think I would win a lot of games with. All right, finally, tight end. He's got Irv Smith Jr., the tight end out of Minnesota, especially now that Kyle Rudolph has moved on, who had two out of the last four weeks with uh, big numbers, including in the final championship week, our week 16, 20.3 points on two touchdowns during that weekend. He also has Hayden Hurst, who was uh, a valuable tight end at times with Atlanta last year. Matt Ryan is returning in that offense. You have to like that uh, the further on he gets, the more comfortable he gets, given that uh, the Ravens originally drafted him before they drafted Lamar Jackson that he's going to have some value in that Atlanta offense. Matt Ryan does love his tight ends. But what do you think about his tight end position? I mean, we know what the tight end market is, but he has two tight ends that play on teams and play for quarterbacks that love throwing to the tight end. Kirk Cousin loves throwing to the tight end just as much as Matt Ryan does. So as an opportunity standpoint, you got to like that. Irv Smith for sure was somebody that I was looking on the waiver wire for towards the end of the season. So especially with Kyle Rudolph being gone as well. You got to think that defenses are going to focus a lot more on Justin Jefferson like they did towards the end of the season. So that's just going to open more stuff up for Irv Smith. So I do, I do really like the, him being on the roster. Hayden Hurst for me, you just, you don't know what the Atlanta offense is going to be. Like, are they going to take another step forward? Are they going to kind of stay the same? So that one's a question mark, but I do like Irv Smith Jr. For not having a lot of elite talent in Irv Smith Jr. or Hayden Hurst right now, this isn't a bad two guys to try and uh, capitalize on their potential. And I think these are two guys that I might want as a, a flyer, a backup, 
if I don't have one of the elite guys and maybe play some matchups. It's not a bad tight end group. It's not elite, but it's probably in that next tier. And these guys are serviceable. I think they're both in good positions where they could break out at some point. They'd be guys I might be focusing on if I don't get one of the top tight ends, Kelsey, Kittle, Hawkinson, that type of thing early on in a redraft league. I might be looking for these guys in the mid-tier rounds. All right. Overall, what would you say is his starting lineup right now uh, going into the season without kicker or defense included? I mean, I guess for me, it would be Matt Stafford, Lockett, man. Um, I'd go Debo. Yeah, well, I was going to put him as a flex, so I'll do T.Y., Derrick Henry, Clyde, Irv, then I'm going to do Debo, and then I guess MVS. If we get playoff Leonard Fournette again, I think I would probably put him in there ahead of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but I can't argue too much with your conclusion, at least from what we've had previously with T.Y. Hilton and how he finished the year. That would be the leading indicator for me as to where his potential fantasy value is going to go. So maybe it's a hopeful play, but it's not a roster that I think I have 10 strong starters with. I have probably about five, and then we go from there. So as far as this team, where would you say they are on the spectrum of our grades or our um, tiers of teams within the league? Title contender, on the rise, declining, rebuilding, or basement dwelling? To no fault of this new owner's own, um, I'd like to say declining, but this team has been in the decline for as long as I can remember. So I'm going to put basement dwelling until... You know, some draft picks are made and some maybe trades are done as well. I suppose I see your argument because this owner hasn't been around for us to develop a relationship as to how he's going to handle this team. But I think with the amount of talent there's there, Matt Stafford is a decent starting quarterback to start with. He has an okay tight end group. You'd like to say that on a weekly basis, CEH and Derrick Henry are good guys to at least start your running back situation with. And you have some competent wide receivers, but none of them are uh, in the top tier group. You may have only one, um, possibly two in that wide receiver two group. So I would say rebuilding, especially because uh, he has the number one pick in every round. So it's going to be on him to make the most of the opportunities with the number one overall pick and maximize some of the guys that are a little bit longer in the tooth with this team to see what he can do to kind of make a quick turnaround. I think this is a team that has the makings for a very quick turnaround if he knows what he's doing. I could agree with 110% of that. It's You're right. We just don't know what he's going to do, what he has planned. So that's why I have it where I do. Yeah, it's kind of difficult to judge some of these guys who took over halfway through as opposed to the guys that we've had longer league relationships with. Thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We do appreciate you. We will be back again soon to continue our off-season coverage. But until then... Wear a mask, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Kiefer FM. <laughs>